Welcome to Built to Scale e-commerce show with Darius and Justin. We are the founders of Ad Kings Agency, an industry-leading boutique e-commerce, Facebook ads, and omni-channel funnels growth agency. Our insights and expertise have helped to generate over $45 million in revenue and spent over $18 million on paid acquisition for our clients in the last year alone. In this podcast, we open up about the marketing and business development strategies and tactics we use to get these results. Welcome to Built to Scale e-commerce show with Darius Kunsa, and today we'll be interviewing my friend, Martin Cook, a serial entrepreneur responsible for multiple seven-figure e-commerce brands, an owner of a well-known high-level digital entrepreneur mastermind, and a host of a Smarter Destiny podcast. And with his latest project, Nubru.com, a conditioned drink, he's on a mission to fortify 1 billion meals by 2025. For sure a big goal, and today we'll be talking about exactly that, why he chose this field why he's going into the biohacking, what he thinks about the future, how he's creating charitable component in his business, and how he created an amazing board of advisors for his business to shortcut his growth. And I think it's something that every decent business owner should for sure have. So, hey, Martin, super excited to have you here. Could you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Hey, Darius, thank you so much for that warm introduction and absolutely excited to be here. I mean, yeah, I am an open book for this show. I will tell you whatever you want to know. But essentially, my journey started when I was 14. I got into, should we say, computer stuff, namely design and web design, to impress a girl. She was in my class. We were both 14, and I thought in my clumsy way that that was the way that you impress a girl. It wasn't, but I learned some great skills, which led me into the world of creating websites online, creating marketing materials for various local businesses and eventually getting into the space in the very early days of Facebook of buying Facebook pages before EdgeRank existed. Now, EdgeRank is that annoying little thing that Facebook introduced, which kind of means that the fans of your pages don't actually see the stuff that you post as a Facebook page admin. But once upon a time, that didn't exist. And it meant that if you posted something as a page, every single one of your fans, as long as they were actually on Facebook, saw it. And so, I mean, I've had some incredible days. We built over 100 Facebook pages or built or bought over 100 Facebook pages with a total fan base of more than 20 million fans. And so on a daily basis, we were basically posting to more people than the average radio show or TV show, right? Like we had a (laughs) tremendous reach and we learned a lot about speaking to people en masse. And that was really fun. We had the impressions, we had the eyeballs, we had the attention, but we didn't have the products to sell. And so naturally that sort of had our had our attention and direction going more in a, right, what can we sell? What What is valuable? What would our fans like to see and buy from us? And I mean, now we're talking e-commerce, right? And so uh, that led us down a path of selling t-shirts through, subject, uh, through sites like teespring.com and selling several million dollars worth of t-shirts through there, realizing that, hey, we're building someone else's brand by selling through these platforms. We want to build our own brand and own our customers and enjoy the benefits of them coming back and purchasing again from our brand and brand loyalty. And that led to a whole host of brilliantly wonderful and diverse e-commerce 
brands and businesses that each built, scaled and exited in one way or another. And then finally, after selling my latest e-commerce brand, Ustatement.com in 2018, that led to two years of preparation before the launch of Nubrew.com in 2020. And that remains my favorite project, my favorite mission. And as you said in the introduction, we're on a mission to fortify one billion meals for malnourished humans around the world. There's 2 billion malnourished humans around the world. And our our mission is to fortify the meals of 1 billion of them by 2025. So ambitious, but fun. Possible for sure, right? I'm interested, you know, to hear more about Nubru, right? Why did it take two years for you to start it? What was your thought process? Because up to that date, I think you were doing more like dropshipping style businesses and now actually getting into building like real brands, real business, you know, that's impacting people's lives. So was there like some sort of evolution in your mindset and shift here that actually brought you towards this business? Sure. So actually, I just want to just minor correction there. Actually, we weren't doing dropshipping stuff. So the brands prior to prior to Nubrew were absolutely brands where we're building our own products, so manufacturing our own products or and or shipping them out of our own warehouses. But each one of them had their eccentricity. I mean, take you statement, for example, that was a tremendous journey. And we actually from launch to 90 days after launch, so day 90, we actually did our first million dollars revenue. So we actually scaled from naught to a million dollars revenue in 90 days, which was an interesting experience. And I think a lot of gurus online would be like, yeah, I'm awesome and, <laughs> and, and would leave it at that. But actually for us, it kind of stretched and broke a ton of our processes, a ton of, well, process, I say processes. I mean, we were 90 days old, right? We didn't really have processes it built in at that stage. It broke our fulfillment. It broke our manufacturing and it resulted in, um, actually it broke our fulfillment channels as well a little bit. Thank you, USPS. <laughs> and it kind of led to a lot, like we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of refunds and, and so on. And so we learned a tremendous amount from that. And so To your question, why did it take two years? Well, in 2018, I sold you statement. It was around about the time of the birth of my son, right? And I've got a software development company. I've got other companies and and I had you statement and I did an 80-20 analysis on on my time and money, right? So where's money coming from? 80-20. Where's time being spent? 80-20. And realized that actually 80% of my time was going into the e-commerce side, the ustatement.com side, and 20% of my revenue was coming from that. And conversely, on the software, it was it was flipped. And so that seemed like the logical contender to be cut to free up some time to be a dad, right? To be a dad and to welcome my son in. But also it served as a great starting point to really deliberately focus on what am I going to build that cross-sects Uh, my passions, my experience, real world need on a large, large scale that can also produce a real world benefit and legacy to the world. So that when it's done, right, and, and when I inevitably move on from that project, the world is significantly and quantifiably better as a result of our brand being in it. And that that's big, right? That's a big, big mission. And I had a, I remember pretty much the day that we sold the previous business, I had this floor to ceiling whiteboard on the wall of my my home office, right? Floor to ceiling. 
So, I mean, I'm five yeah. foot 10, five foot 11 <laughs> on a good day, right? Having some fun, so, right? So, so I can't reach <laughs> the top of this whiteboard. <laughs> okay, I can reach the bottom, no problem. <laughs> so I began filling this whiteboard. I had this massive spider diagram on this whiteboard and I was adding to it every single week. I didn't fill it in a day. I was adding to it every single week, letting my brain percolate, letting my brain fill in the gaps and solve the solutions. And on this spider diagram, we had the kind of products we would offer, the delivery mechanism. We had our partners, the kind of pain points our customers might have, the charitable component, what good we're doing, why we exist, who our competitors are, different kinds of flavors, like almost anything you could imagine around an e-commerce brand. It was going up on this board and we were just and I say we, I keep saying we, but really it's me, right? It's just me <laughs> solo in comfy loungewear. Yeah. yeah, just geeking out with my headphones on and just, just rain manning it up right here on this board. And gradually, gradually this overall image of what new brew was going to be. And actually, even in the early days, it was called new chew because initially it was going to be a chewable nootropic, like a gummy, right? So it was initially going to be that. That changed when I realized that the minimum order quantity of gummies when you're talking to manufacturers is 2 million. And if you want to visualize what 2 million gummies looks like, it's approximately the size of a large truck, a large lorry. That's what the pile <laughs> of 2 million gummies looks like, right? It's, it's a lot, okay? And with a shelf yeah. life of about nine months <laughs> as well. So a lot of pressure there, a significant <laughs> outfit. Sell. So we were like, right, that's not what we're going to do. But the reason it took two years was because we wanted to do it right. We wanted to build something, a real brand, that was challenging and exciting enough to keep mine and the team's attention, right? As entrepreneurs, we have shiny object syndrome all the time, and there's new opportunities every single day, particularly, I mean, you know, through Smarter Destiny podcast, my show, I'm, I'm speaking with high level seven, eight, and nine figure founders of digital brands weekly, right? Those conversations are fantastic. The connections are fantastic. The networking is fantastic. That opens up a ton of opportunity. And keeping yourself focused on one thing is a constant challenge. And so I wanted this thing that is Nubru to be layered enough and diverse enough to keep my attention. Right? We can go into offline. We can go into online. We can go into audio-based advertising. We can go into sports clubs. We can go into universities. We can go into... It just, I just wanted this to be... <laughs> you know, We can go into AI. We can go into apps. We can go into manufacturing. It needed to be complicated and complex and challenging enough to keep my attention throughout and to build something that nobody could compete with, right? That was important, that it was unique and different and valuable and game-changing. Exactly. And this is kind of what I'm seeing often with entrepreneurs in general. They usually start with, you know, running some, what they call training wheel businesses where you know whatever it's drop shipping doing something you know on smaller scale experimenting with themselves feeling what we love and there's almost always this kind of like a pause of a year or two where they recollect themselves really answer the question what do we love and then we jump into that business and usually this is the businesses that exactly hit you know that eight and nine figure mark especially nine figures and it's kind of like similar story what they heard like hundreds of times already <laughs> Absolutely. I think, like you said, the training wheels, the developing the muscles, figuring things out, 
those kind of brands that you can operate whereby big chunks of the business, like the fulfillment or the manufacturing, are managed by someone else is a great way for you to be able to really concentrate on particular areas that that suit your skills. And, you know, for us, we at the manufacturing of you statement, we'd contacted and we partnered with a print house here in the UK. And we'd also partnered with a manufacturer, a leggings manufacturer here in the UK, but it's also across Europe as well. And so we had two main part like fulfillment partners, if you like, so that we were able to focus on the marketing, on the creative, on the messaging to our user base and not be spread thin with the manufacturing and, and fulfillment side on that business, which rapidly got to the point where we were shipping out six, seven hundred packages a day kind of level which and if you if you had that fulfilling you'd employ your brother or sister or something to fulfill it from their home would have broken them right like, pretty quickly a poor brother right yeah. I, I guess he would Just, be cursing on you, you know, after any sleep or... twitching every time that shopify cha-ching sound comes in right and tell me though how did you choose the new brew right and new chew actually you know as it was originally called i bet you had like hundreds of ideas especially you know as serial entrepreneurs right Right. We sometimes have so many ideas and I'm at fault here too. Often I have at least 10 ideas running through my mind and I always have to take a step back, focus and apply this 80 to 20 rule principle and re-identify what I should be working on. And even this podcast, right, it came through this, you know, identifying what's working for us and just deciding to focus on the podcast and remove all the other noise for communication, you know, that we were creating before and just focus on what's working. So tell me, you know, how did you come to the new rule, right? Absolutely. Well, first off, I'd say with those ideas, don't just ignore them, right? Grab yourself an app. I used to use Evernote all the time. I use Notion now, but get those ideas out of your head, right? By all means, on paper, without buying a domain name or doing anything that costs money, get that out of your head and flesh out the idea. At the very least, you could come back to that. I had an idea recently sorry, the idea wasn't recent. The idea is about eight years old. And I had an opportunity recently to just stars aligned, someone who already had a business that was similar enough to this idea. I was able to hand over an, you know, an entire document for this, for this business idea that matches their core business perfectly. And I get to see one of my ideas now flourish in the world without me needing to do it. Right. So absolutely get that idea out, flesh it out and get it out of your head for sure. For me, going back to your question, I, for a long time, been absolutely obsessed with life hacking, biohacking, really anything whereby you can get a greater output for the same or less input. And the brain has been something that has it's just fascinated me for the longest time because I don't believe it should be left up to chance you wake up on the wrong side of bed. Oh, I'm just in a grumpy place. Oh, I have brain fog today. Oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I can't work. Oh, I'm procrastinating. That isn't chance. That isn't random. That's come from somewhere. That's come from your habits, your routines, your sleep, your temperature, what's in your brain. It's come from many, many different ways. And when you delve into that space, you realize that you can actually take better control of the output of your brain and even turn up the dials somewhat. And so one of the amazing areas within brain performance is an area called nootropics. 
which is a very, very broad space. Nootropics loosely d- defined means anything that affects your cognition, right? It affects your brain. And so really, you could classify coffee and cocaine in this category, right? <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds of other substances in there, right? From the basic safe and legal all the way up to the other end of the spectrum. And I experimented for many years. I experimented with various different substances out there, most of them available on sites like Amazon. I'm not talking crazy substances, but began to learn that actually you can trigger parts of your brain. For example, I love lion's mane. Lion's mane is a mushroom. Lion's mane is, for me at least, something which unlocks a creative side in me, which is a superpower for me because I'm someone that is always thinking about the future. And I would describe myself as a visionary. I'm able to, you give me where we are now, and I'm able to map out 20 steps into the future over five, 10 years, what this could become, right? If you pair that with creativity, that is a really, really powerful force, okay? So lion's mane is an example of a raw nootropic that is great for creativity. Now, there's, as I said, there's thousands of them out there, and they all work in different ways. But when I talk about brain and cognition, I'm talking about motivation. I'm talking about creativity. I'm talking about endurance. I'm talking about memory. I'm talking about recall. I'm t- there's lots of different components to your brain, and there's lots of things that your brain does. All right. So what I wanted to create was a nootropic that ticks all the boxes. It's a friend for your brain on a daily basis with medium and long-term benefits through prolonged use. But most importantly, unlike a lot of the nootropics out there, for example, modafinil, okay, modafinil, Adderall, things like those, they're good at what they do. They have downsides. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely have downsides. And, and Adderall, folks, is very similar to meth. <laughs> Don't want to scare you if you're taking it, but it's very similar to meth and very addictive, right? So maybe think about whether you should be taking it. Modafinil is a little bit better, but both of them are aligned in that they have a what comes up must come down side to them, right? You, you have an increased day of performance and then you have a day where your performance is decreased as your body kind of recovers. And I said, this doesn't have to be like that. Can we create a milder nootropic that supports us on a daily basis, but also when we want to sleep at night, we sleep and we sleep restfully so that we can hit the next day and the next day and the next day with just as much motivation and just as much momentum as we had on the previous days, right? And that really started the journey of Nubru. So Nubru, our flagship product was Nubru Advantage, which is a blend of 11 scientifically studied nootropics and vitamins blended at the right dosages so that they work together to provide a benefit to your brain, which is way more impactful than the sum of the individual components, right? They work together and you don't have to take a fistful of pills. And by the way, you shouldn't be taking pills anyway, because unless they're the newer pills, which have kind of liquid in them, our body is terrible at absorbing pills. At best, we can hope to absorb maybe 50% of pills and tablets that we take because the way it's shaped, the way it's it's encapsulated with that, with that sort of plasticky coating, it takes a lot longer for our body to actually even break it down and digest it. You can't get to the stuff inside of that capsule until the shell has been eroded away by your stomach acid, right? And there's a lot of 
areas in your body and your digestive tract which start earlier than that. And so it was important as well. What? Why should 50% of what we consume as supplements be expensive urine? And by the way, nobody likes taking tablets. You, t- you take tablets out in public and people either think you're sick <laughs> you know, they, they either think you're <laughs> ill or they just they think you're odd, right? And it's very difficult. Oh, there's so many things I don't like about pills. So I was like, right. It was one of the things, going back to the whiteboard, it's one of the things for Nubra. It's like, right, it's got to be delivered in a different form, a more efficient form. We went with liquid. We, after after going past the chewable stage, we went with liquid and we said, right, it's got to taste amazing. Fundamentally, it's got to taste amazing. It's got to be up there and just as delicious as any drink that you would consume for pleasure. Right. That's one. Two, it needs to be in some kind of pouch or sachet, which is, needs to be eco friendly as well whereby you can just add it to water, mix it, drink it, and you can do it any time of the day, any day of the week. It will taste delicious and hit the spot without fail. And that's what we set out to do and did. Yeah, and it's actually quite funny that you mentioned tablets versus <laughs> drinkable things. And I'm a huge believer in actually drinkable things. Right now, actually, I still do have a lot of tablets in my drawer. I literally have like 25 bottles of different substances because I usually like to mix them up and really figure out what do I need based on day to day. But to be honest, like majority of people are not so advanced as we are. And we are like not open to dedicate at least a year or two to go through each and every substance, figure out, you know, how your body is reacting to it, what's working for them, what's not. And most likely much better option is just to buy something that's pre-packaged and literally, you know, done like this. There's like 11 substances there. Absolutely. And you are limited with with the tablet form. Like even if you can get past the the unpleasant experience of taking tablet and get past the monotony of having to, you know, open 20 different pill pots. I've been here. I've been there. I've done that, right? If you can get past all of that and 20 different pill pots and get all your 20 different pills and so on and then choke them down like some kind of demented pelican, right? Even if you can get past that, well, you're limited to the quality and quantity that's in each one of those pills. And that might not be the optimum dose for you. That might not be the best dose. It's just, you know, 100 milligrams is, is what's in the capsule. And that's what you bought it as, right? And, and so there's lots of inefficiencies and down points about the pills before you even get into the only 50% absorption rates as well. But that's often the only way you can get a lot of these substances is in pill form because the world hasn't evolved yet, I would say. For it's the early most stages. Part. Yeah, exactly. for biohacking, it was like three, four years. I think when it's kind of becoming mainstream. So I think it will take another like three years for it to kind of get to the point where people will become much more educated than we are right now. And you mentioned charcoal component in your business. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, yeah. So we, with Smarter Destiny, right? So Smarter Destiny is is our like media and publication brand, right? So we have a podcast and we have two books which are available for free, podcasters available for free. And the reason we do that is because our mission is to build what we call an army of enlightened entrepreneurs, okay? So the components of an enlightened entrepreneur are, there's, there's a few of them, but the most important one is that you have a responsibility to be successful, absolutely. And we give you the tools and the knowledge and the connections through Smart Destiny and our podcast to be a better version and a more successful version of yourself, right? First and foremost. But now that you have that wealth and influence and momentum and experience and connections, you have a responsibility to leverage that to make the world a better place, okay? To make the world somehow 
better so that it is better than when you found it, right? There is a net benefit as a result of you building a business on this earth. Okay, that is what being an enlightened entrepreneur is all about. And we at Smart Destiny are building an army of enlightened entrepreneurs because I can have a certain amount of impact myself through my businesses and brands. But if we have thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs doing the same thing, the impact is so much greater. Okay, so one of the best ways, in my opinion, to make an impact and to help the world is through some kind of charitable component to your business. Okay, and so we were like, right, this absolutely has to be baked into our business model. We need to be giving a percentage of our revenue. So internally, we're calculating it as a percentage of our revenue. Publicly, we're we're calculating it in a different way, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But it needs to be a percentage of revenue, not profit. It needs to be baked in to the P&L from day dot, okay, from the very beginning. We're not waiting until we're profitable. We're not waiting until we're to a certain um, size. We're going to do it from the very start. Okay, so that was that was point one. Point two, this charitable component needs to actually matter. Okay, and what I mean by that is there's lots of charities out there whereby actually not a great percentage of the money donated to the charity actually goes to the cause. There's also charities out there which, whilst they're great, and I'm not going to knock any charity that's helping people, but in the grand scheme of things in the human race, isn't that important, right? If there was a charity that repairs slippers, repairs flip-flops for Californians who on the, the richest beaches in California, yeah, great, you're helping these rich people with their flip-flops, but in the grand scheme of things, isn't really making the world a better place, okay? I'm just using that example. If that charity <laughs> actually exists, sorry, I'm just using it as an example. So... We use a site, I believe it was called givewell.org, but there's sites out there which basically review charities. Okay, so all the charities out there, they rank them. They look into these kind of components. They look at how efficient the charity is to uh, is being run, how important the cause is, like how big an impact it is. And we started looking at that because we were like, right, we want to make every single pound, dollar, euro, whatever that we donate count. Okay, so we were looking for charities. then. We wanted that charity to be quantifiable. And this is so, so important. You're missing a trick as a business if you say a percentage of revenue or a percentage of profit goes to XYZ cause. Okay, you're missing a big, big component. You need to make it quantifiable. Well, what I mean by that, I mean, the customer needs to know actually what is going to happen in the world? What good is going to happen in the world as a result of them spending money with you? A tree is going to be planted. A kilogram of plastic is going to be removed from the ocean. 10 cubic tons of carbon is going to be removed from the environment. Now, I credit Justin Palmer, a friend of mine, who is the founder of iHeartDogs with this. Uh, He's a brilliant guy and he's a brilliant entrepreneur. And he had the foresight years ago to bake this into his business model. What they do at iHeartDogs is they feed shelter dogs, a number of shelter dogs with every purchase. And every, every product on the website has a number, like five shelter dogs fed with this purchase, right? That's amazing. The, the customers know exactly how many dogs are going to be fed. And the internal team can talk in terms of dogs fed, right? And they can use that in their marketing. They can use that publicly and say, two million dogs fed or whatever, right? Like they can use that as a number that isn't money, right? Because no one in your team 
who isn't incentivized on or sort of on some kind of commission role gives a crap about how much money you've made right it's it's great that the company's successful and it's great that their job's secure and so on but they don't care if you made a million pounds this month but if you're saying oh, well actually in our case we're fighting the global mal- malnourishment problem and we actually fortified 2 million meals this month wow that's something you can take home you can feel good about you can go to sleep feeling great that that much good quantifiable good has happened as a result so we shortlisted a number of charities and really for me the the charity project healthy children which is now named sanku was one that stood out to me and so i went above and beyond i actually reached out to the founder of this charity had an awkward conversation where he thought i was asking for money from him when actually i was saying hey i want to give you money but i just want to get in a conversation with you first and understand that we're aligned with our visions and so on so his name's felix and i've had him on the podcast as well but basically i got got into a conversation with him and explained what we're looking to do with nubu this is before we launched and said, we want to give you money every month, right? <laughs> we want to understand how much that money, like what that backs down to in terms of number of meals and, and do the calculations. We want to agree all that. And we love what you're doing and the good you're putting out in the world. So we want to support you and we don't need you to support us, but uh, it's important to us that we've at least got like the green light from you. And it's important to us that we've had a conversation with you for ourselves, even though they, they came out well-ranked in this charitable ranking site. We wanted to make sure that they were legit and tick the boxes and shared our values as well. So we, we did that. I got numerous calls with him. He's a great guy. He's got a great team. He's got a great purpose. And we said, right, brilliant. And so we now at Nubru talk in terms of meals nourished, okay? Because our customers, our brilliant, amazing customers, we help them every single day with our products, but we recognize our products aren't cheap. The reason our products aren't cheap is that quality ingredients aren't cheap. Our manufacturing pro, um, procedures and policies and shipping internationally and stuff, right? And staff and obeds, it's not cheap, right? We have to charge a certain price to stay alive, okay? And so we recognize that whilst we're helping millions and millions of people around the world with our products, we recognize that there's a certain number of people, 2 billion people in the world who they wouldn't dream of buying our products. Basic nutrition is their problem. They're worried about getting something arbitrary like diarrhea and dying from it right whereas we might take a pill or a tablet or lay down okay and that's because in the west our food is actually fortified with iron vitamins b vitamins in particular so that when you're actually consuming flour or cereal or whatever right which is the component of so many meals you've got your basic fortification just nailed you you don't even need to think about it but in these impoverished areas they haven't and so we wanted, whilst we're helping millions of people as our customers achieve and unlock higher echelons of their brain and their capacity and, and help them output more, right, whether it's the motivation, endurance, recall, memory, whatever, we also wanted to help these people who are just fighting for basic nourishment, basic nutrition. And as a result, of lifting both the customers and the people we're helping through the charitable component, we can sleep at night, we can rest assured that the world is indeed a better place as a result of us being in it. 
I will just hop into another question because to be honest, we are running out of time and there are so many more questions to ask. I'm just interested a bit more. Have you noticed any benefits from the charity to your business? Maybe attracting better people or creating an internal culture that matches your vision? Absolutely. And that's a great question, Darius. So sometimes there's a misconception amongst founders that by adding a charitable component, they lose money. And the reality is that there's a whole generation, sort of millennials and younger, whereby they want some kind of impact. They are asking the question internally, okay, so I'm buying your t-shirt, but what else? Like you're giving me a t-shirt, but what else are you doing, right? They are tuned in to what is important on the grander scale, like across, like global scale. And as such, are looking for brands that have a purpose, have a mission, are very, very clear about what they're doing and why. And so what you find is that your customers gravitate towards your mission. And as long as your mission is in tune with your values and what you're trying to be as a company, you will attract customers to that mission. You can talk about what you've achieved. Like, so we just ticked over 10 million meals fortified like a few weeks back which is an amazing milestone. And we're able to talk about that with our internal team who are psyched that we've, we've got there. We're able to talk about that with our customers. We're able to talk about that rather than, oh, we made this much money. It's so much more wholesome. And basically, to go to your question, you see as a result of aligning yourself with these people that are looking for a mission, with these people that want to feel good. It's logical that you convert maybe a few more customers per 100. So your conversion rate goes up because they're like, oh, wow, that's a great cause. It's logical to assume that in that you're showing them how much good spending, say, £100 is and how much good £150 spend is, they might well spend a little bit more. So your AOV goes up. You might find yourself with shipping difficulties with the coronavirus surcharges and couriers, confusion and Brexit and all the other stuff that we're being hit with right now, you might find that your customers are a little bit more understanding because fundamentally you're a good company run by a good person. Okay. And so you might just, they can go, ah, that shipping was, that shipping was terrible, but they're good people. So I'm not going to like kick off as much, <laughs> right? There's, there's a lot of a lot of ways that having a charitable component could help you if you're asking yourself, what's in it for me? But ultimately, for me, it comes down to the gravestone test. What do you want written on your gravestone? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be? Do you want to be remembered as the best drop shipper on the planet? I drove a Lamborghini and did whatever X, Y, Z. Or do you want to be known as someone that's actually made a difference and helped and and taken the more difficult road rather than the easy road and built something that matters? Your brand is more valuable as a result of the second path. It's more valuable when you come to sell it. It's more valuable to the customers. Your product is more valuable. You're a better human. (laughs) Your sleep will be better as a result. Being a licensed (laughs) entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. It just has such a bigger purpose in general. This is why even within Atkins Agency, right, me and my business partner, we're already discussing how we can help to create bigger impact in the world. And it's not sometimes just about like e-commerce businesses or something. 
what we are figuring out that maybe we could be sponsoring some people to learn digital marketing, help them create their workplaces or, or you know, especially from like a third world countries to find a workplace, find a way to provide to their families or, or something. But basically it brings so much more fulfillment compared to, hey, you know, this is how much money we made. And yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> M- money has diminishing effects as you get more of it. As you start going up through the brackets whereby your basic needs are met, your shelter's met, you've got your toys, your gadgets, whatever, it's diminishing, right? I would argue that the difference that, say, 20 grand a year to 30 grand a year makes on your life is huge compared to the difference of, say, 50 grand a year to 100 grand or 100 grand to 500 grand, right? It's, there's a point where you're good. You've got your things you need. You've got your shelter. You've got your, your family. You, you don't go without, right? Your bills are covered and paid. And really above that point, yeah, money's not all that important. It buys options and it can buy time, but impact is what's important. Impact is what will make you feel whole, <laughs> you know, as a result of. Yeah. And talking about impact, right? I know you have a board of advisors for your company. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because I think it's something that will be relevant to a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And personally, you know, for agency, we are always are looking for good, solid mentors for somebody with years of experience. So I'm just interested to you know, how did you go about creating this board of advisors? How did you find them? And maybe how you are rewarding them for working with you? Absolutely. So going back to the whiteboard, that floor to ceiling whiteboard with all the scribblings on it. One of the areas that I knew was important in building what I'm setting out to build a nine figure company, right? We fortify one billion meals. We're a nine figure company. So I needed to surround myself with people who have nine figure companies who have built nine figure companies, but on the same, on the same I also needed to surround myself around with people who fill in the gaps in my own skill set. So they, they're able to do the things that, that I'm not so strong at. Okay. And so I started writing a list. It was really a list split into two. I started writing kind of the skill sets that I'm perhaps lacking in or need more of and started writing down a short list of people that might fit that role. Now, Newbrew is a little bit different. It was also important to me from a safety and science point of view that we had a medical doctor on our board of advisors. Okay, so that everything in the formulation was checked and double checked and approved by doctors. Okay, that was important. It was also important, as I said, to have people on the board who have operated at that nine figure level. Okay, and it can advise as such. But really, the process was understanding what skills we need, right, as, as our sort of extended advisory board, and who in my existing network might meet that criteria. Now, I am blessed. I am fortunate that my network already contains some phenomenally successful people, right? And that's because many years ago, I set out to take personal brand seriously, to be a good business person, to operate ethically, to help as many people as I can without any expectation in return. Okay. And, and all of that comes, that all that happens over time, but that's important for longer term relationships, right? Your network is super important. But I had that list and I had this, this short list and there was about 20 people on it, but I, I set out, I was like, right, I want to, I want to have seven 
advisors, right? A board of advisors, seven, uh, it feels like a strong number to me, right? <laughs> so seven, <laughs> right, seven. There wasn't really much thought that went into it, but it's seven was, was what I was targeting. And so I was very clear at this point on the values of Newbury, the mission, the vision, where we're going, how we're going to do it, how we're going to get there, right? So I'd already put together basically a pitch deck for Newbury. Okay, you need to check your boxes and so on. And then I had phone calls. I had phone calls with each one of these seven people and explained to them what I was building, explained to them the impact, the i.e. the charitable component, the why behind it, the benefits, and asked them for up to four hours of their time per month in exchange for a small piece of equity in Nubru. Okay, a very small piece. That's the quid pro quo. I was saying most months you won't even hear from me. Some months you will, <laughs> but I'm asking for up to four hours of your time in terms of calls and, and so on so that I can pick your brain or, or what have you. And generally for you to be aligned with what we're doing and what we're building and to help where possible. And that's the real key. And that's why we were able to shortcut a lot of the steps that a new brand would have to go through, because we suddenly had access to the network of our advisors and the connections and the experience. And so we were able to use this brain trust, this advisory board to move a lot faster to attract the right people. We were able to talk about our advisory board when we were recruiting talent, talking to investors, even certain customers to really authenticate and show that we're a legitimate business and a legitimate brand that even in its early stages is striving to do things the right way and the proper way. And so I thought it was tremendously valuable. I would do it for any business moving forward and will do it for any business moving forward. I'm sure there's probably a more efficient way because there wasn't a lot of like teachings out there when I looked for how to build a board of advisors. So I just sort of kind of had to figure it out. But yeah, tremendously valuable decision. And what was like the percentage that you gave out if you can talk about this? You're going to have to figure that out for your own business, I'm afraid. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's what works for you in your business. And I actually did a podcast episode with Roland Fraser. So on the Smart Destiny podcast, just look up Roland Fraser. And we actually got into this because Roland has his finger in so many pies. He's a tremendously exciting, smart entrepreneur. And he has equity in lots of business, like 50 plus businesses. And he actually talked about how from an equity point of view, what, what's offered to him, if he has an interest in being a part of the business, he kind of, he has like a rule book where like, well, if it's up to this much equity, they're getting replies to emails. If it's more equity, he's sitting on board meetings. If it's more equity, he's, so he kind of has a rule book for what he will give in return for that because it all backs up to time, right? It all backs out to his time and, and he needs to be efficient with that. And so it's what works in your business and what works as a share of your overall equity and expectations and allocations and so on. But it doesn't need to be much. A lot of entrepreneurs, seasoned entrepreneurs who are already several years into what they're building, 
they're excited by the thought of getting their rolling their sleeves up and getting a little bit dirty with a brand new bootstrapping brand, right? <laughs> they miss those days. Yeah. And so if you can excite them with your purpose and your why, and they can see that you're passionate about it and you're surrounding yourself with people that can make this a success, there isn't a lot of downside for them. The time that they'll be spending is exciting anyway. And then in the future, you know, they've got a few few percentage points or whatever. They can collect those dividends and they can collect a chunk of your exit as well. It's, it's a pretty good investment from their point of view as well. Exactly. And I kind of have a like the last question for you. So tell me, Martin, where people could find more about you, about your podcast, about what you're doing, your book. Absolutely. So the book, 1% Secret, can be found at 1% Secret. Number 1% secret percent spell out. And it's a 300 page book that has Kevin Harrington as the foreword. And it has some really, 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 really great reviews and feedback on it. But it's my very best work. And I'm giving it away for free as part of the enlightened entrepreneur movement that we're creating, right? We're trying to educate and provide the skills and knowledge to e-commerce entrepreneurs to succeed. Okay. So it really talks about the leveraging the 1% gains in your business, the compounding effect of doing lots and lots of little things right. Because in the real world, there isn't a lever that just doubles your business overnight. There isn't one lever that does that. It comes from the compounding effect. And I show, if, if nothing else, visit 1%secret.com and watch the video because I show how just improving four touch points in the e-commerce funnel, if you like, by just 1% can result in a 400% increase in revenue, right? Just by four 1% things. That's the compounding effect in action. In terms of finding me, the best place is probably LinkedIn, Martin Cook, Martin spelt with a Y, Cook without an E. Um, I love connecting with people. I love, I love answering questions and helping wherever I can. The podcast you can find on any podcast platform, Smarter Destiny Podcast. We have had some amazing guests on there. I guarantee if you're in the e-commerce space, you will recognize a lot of names of the guests that have been on the show. And if you want to learn a little bit more about me and what I'm doing, uh, link to the mastermind and so on, martincook.co.uk is a very simple little one-page website that I put together just to keep people informed about what I'm up to. So what, Martin? I guess I'm super thankful for you sharing some information here. And for sure, I think there are some really valuable nuggets, especially about charity and board of advisors. Because to be honest, this is not something that a lot of businesses are doing. And I think it's more about changing your mindset and stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone. And I think a lot of people could certainly benefit from your knowledge. So guys, if you're listening here, definitely go check out Martin on his LinkedIn. He's sharing a lot of valuable content here too. And check out his podcast in the book. Enjoying this podcast? Consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends. This helps us to grow and create more amazing content like this for you.